And so our gospel lesson this morning comes to us from the gospel of Luke, the 21st chapter. If you are able, would you stand for the reading of the gospel? When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So when we hear Jesus' words in this passage from Luke, we hear a story of impending destruction. He talks about the beautiful temple built to the glory of God that's going to be torn down so that not a single stone is left upon another. He says there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes natural disasters and famine, plague, sickness, death, persecution, and imprisonment. There'll be betrayal by family and friends. There'll be executions and all manner of injustice done against the righteous. In short, there will be this movement of people marching toward captivity and bondage, some of them against their will, and some of them because they don't know what it is that they're doing, and some of them because, well, that's just the kind of chaos and destruction that they like. See, our Old Testament scripture from Isaiah this morning talks about a different movement. It speaks of a glorious new creation. A new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem and a bright new future for God's people. Isaiah paints this picture of hope 
for captive Israel. Captive Israel that was held in exile against their will through the reigns of King Nebuchadnezzar, through the reign of Belshazzar, and the reign of King Darius. Well, finally, King Darius allows the people to return to their home in Israel, and they begin their journey out of Babylon, this march out of Babylon, moving out from years of captivity, years of bondage, years of suffering, years of darkness and fear, moving out of that and into freedom, into peace, into the light from the darkness. And so there's this long column of people marching from captivity into freedom. So here we have in these passages of Scripture two groups of people. Each group moving in an opposite direction. One marching toward freedom and one marching toward bondage. And so what do we do with these passages of Scripture in present day America? Now let me just preface these next comments that this is not a political speech. This is a speech, this is a message about unity. In cities across the country, there have been people marching. Do we agree? You've seen them, haven't you? The the news is full of them. And as we watch, we have to wonder, as we're looking at these people in movement, are they marching toward freedom? Or are they marching toward captivity? There are people protesting, and there are people who are bewildered by the protests. There are those who support the democratic process that elected our current president, and there are those who believe that the democratic process has let them down. And so on both sides, we have fear. We have fear that produces anger and frustration, and the ultimate result of that is division. Would you agree? Doesn't matter what side of the aisle you claim to be politically, we can all look around and say we are divided. There wouldn't need to be an aisle if we weren't. And so columns of people moving away from one another at the same time colliding with each other in this collision of wills, of ideologies, of priorities and agendas. And so as I was watching the news the other night and I was thinking about what I would speak on this Sunday, it occurred to me, if we can't talk about the division that's going on out there in the safety and security of our fellow believers in Christ, Well, then where can we talk about it? 
And so this is about unity. Now, Angela and I were having discussion about some of the things that we were seeing, and she just had some really good insights, which she does. Sometimes they end up in sermons. But she said some things that I I took some notes on. I want to share those things with you because I think that we all have these thoughts. We just don't know exactly how we should be articulating them. And it really helped me kind of focus. So here's what she said. She said, the fear that people are experiencing is fear of the unknown. I think that's a good observation. She says, the unknown is a very scary place. There's no doubt about it. But when we face scary situations, don't we find comfort in knowing that we are not alone? And no one is alone in this because we have God and we have each other. She said one other thing that I thought was particularly profound, and I hope to be able to adopt that in my thinking and in my experience, because I don't always think this way. Maybe you're like me, maybe you're like her, but I think she's right. She says, I can tell you that if you need something and ask me, I'm not going to ask you your political party preference before I help you. I'm going to do what I can, when I can, and however I can, regardless. I believe this to be true of almost everyone, and any tragic event that has taken place in this country in the last few years is evidence of that. We in this country are resilient people for the most part. And I think that our hearts are basically in the right place. Sometimes our passions get a little out of whack, though. But when push comes to shove, we generally all come together when we feel that whatever's out there threatening us as a people crosses all the boundaries. And so the last thing she said as we were discussing, and I'm jotting these down like a madman, she says, I love and pray for all my family and all my friends, and that's not going to ever be changed because of who is occupying the White House. My hope and faith is in God, and he takes up residence in my heart, and luckily for me, that doesn't change every four to eight years. I'm going to give her my collar, and I'm just going to sit there with you guys from now on. (laughs) I I just think that's a clarity of thought that can only be brought about by being in tune with the Holy Spirit. It's easy for us to get polarized and to pick a side in this. And so we have to ask ourselves if we are one of those marching toward captivity. And if we are, it's the bondage of fear that will hold us there. 
fear comes when we place our hope and our faith in a fallible human rather than the infallible God of the universe. Jesus tells us to trust in Him because when we trust in Him, no matter what happens, nothing can touch us because of the Holy Spirit that resides in us as believers, we are protected. A little trust in something great like Jesus is far better than great trust in something or someone small. And if we will only redirect our trust, then the fear that holds us captive will disappear. Now that being said, there are still those who continue to march toward captivity. There are some who just want the chaos and the anarchy. And for those people, all we can do is pray. And then there are some who just need reassurance to help dispel the fear. And that's where we, the church, come in. We can be that balm, that reassurance to those who need reassurance by extending to them an invitation to the love of Christ who dwells in us. See, we have to remember that in the midst of those that are marching to freedom, there is God. And for those who are marching toward captivity, those who are held in bondage of fear, there is available to them the hope of Christ and redemption. And they can realize it if we, the church, will only extend a hand and invite them in. So when I'm confronted with this bondage of fear and captivity, when I turn on the news and I see I don't even recognize the country I was born into, when I see that, there's this prayer. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know where it came from. It's just one that I have known for a long time. And so it comes to mind and it helps as I look not on the extremes on either side of me, but I look to Christ who's in the middle. And the prayer goes like this, For the hungry and the overfed, may we all have enough. For the mourners and the mockers, may we all laugh together. For the victims and the oppressors, may we share power wisely. For the peacemakers and the warmongers, may clear truth and stern love lead us to harmony. For the silenced and the propagandists, may we speak our own words in truth. For the unemployed and the overworked, may our impress on the earth be kindly and creative. For the troubled and the sleek, may we live together as wounded healers. For the homeless and the cosseted, may our homes be simple, warm, and welcoming. For the vibrant and the dying, May we all die to live for the free and those in bondage. 
May we all see God in our midst. And so the key for us as the church is to be the righteous, the holy middle. I don't mean politically. I mean spiritually. We need to be the center where Christ is. We need to be representatives of Christ because we are the body of Christ. He is the head of the church and we are the body. We need to be examples of love that bridges the aisle that separates us. We need to be out in that community proclaiming Jesus, not politics. Because only in that way will we ever see unity in our nation again. Now, why would I bring this message to our little church in our comfortable little town of Shepherd? Well, because it starts right here with us at home. It's got to be that we are the pebble cast into the pond from which all the ripples emanate. If it's not us, who? And so be in prayer as you go into your week, asking God for strength and for wisdom. Don't think about what it is you need to be saying. Allow the Holy Spirit to give you the words at the appropriate time, just like our passage said today. God will give you what you need. Keep your eyes focused on Him and not on everything that's going on around. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The next hymn is, This is my father.